Welcome everyone to the inaugural episode of My Friend in HR. I am your host, Jasani Courtney, your friend in HR. Let me immediately jump into what this podcast is about and why in the world you should keep listening. Have you ever asked yourself one of these questions? Should I quit my job? How in the world do I ask for a promotion? How do I ask for a salary increase? I'm not happy with my last performance reviews. What should I do? How do I take control of my own career? And what do I need to do to have true career fulfillment? If you've wondered any of those questions, then this is your place. The primary mission of this podcast is to help folks have fulfilling careers. And I intentionally use the word career and not jobs because folks, those words mean two completely different things. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But this podcast is for those who really want to improve their workplace experience and to be a better employee. This is a place where we can have some real talk about true career fulfillment and not just how to earn another 50 cents an hour. This podcast is also for HR professionals because sometimes HR folks need someone to talk to as well. In each episode, we'll dive into a different HR topic and break it down in a way that's easy to understand with practical tips and advice that you can apply to your own work life. We'll cover everything from how to handle difficult conversations with your boss or coworkers to navigating tricky HR policies like vacation time or sick leave. We're going to have interviews with other HR leaders and managers and even regular employees just to give you a well-rounded perspective on the world of work. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't spend at least a minute talking about what this podcast is not. And let me be clear, this podcast is not for those who are just looking for a way to stick it to their bosses. That's not what this podcast is intended to do. Now, I know online you can find a lot of resources of what I call shock jocks. And what I mean by shock jobs is we've seen these in the past. These used to be radio stations, usually political uh, radio shows, whose main purpose was to get their base riled up, get them riled up uh, so they take some kind of action. Um, and you see that within the HR sp uh, space as well. There are some folks who say, oh, the employer is evil and you should rise up and, and revolt. Um, and I'm never going to give that kind of advice here. Um, well, I do see the purpose of some of those because to be honest, some of us do need a kick in the butt to make us take action, to make us realize that we're not victims. Um, but that's just not my style. That is not my approach to this. Um, so let's switch over and, and talk about me. Let's talk about who I am. Um, I, meant, I mentioned before that my name is Jasani Courtney. Um, I currently live in the Houston area. Um, I am originally from a little small town called Natchitoches, Louisiana. It's in like north central Louisiana. And if you ever watched the movie Steel Magnolia, th that is where I'm from, the little town that, was, that the story um, that the movie was filmed in. I have been in HR, as I mentioned, for about 20 plus years. I've had almost every role that you can have in HR, starting as an HR coordinator, HR administrative assistant, moving up to recruiting, and eventually became like an HR journalist, HR business partner. And currently I'm an HR executive for a firm here in Houston, Texas. So when thinking about this podcast and thinking about the first episode, I really thought long and hard about what the focus should be. You should always start by asking the other person about themselves, their aspirations, their goals. Um, and we're going to do just that. So we're going to begin our discussion just to clear up a misconception about what human resources is. And I know a lot of people think, well, HR, those are the people who fire folks and hire folks. And that's pretty much it. Um, they're the police of of the of the company. And unfortunately, sometimes that is true, but that is not the main point of human resources. Human resources is made of a multidisciplinary focus. I mean, you have folks that are benefits. You have folks that are in compensation that manage like annual increases and bonus plans. You have payroll. 
you have the folks who are in charge of the HR systems. And a lot of these folks are the unsung heroes. But to go back to the original point, there are the, fo the folks that you typically do see in human resources are the folks who unfortunately do have to deal with terminations um, or are involved in the hiring process. But regardless of the shape and form of your HR department, at the end of the day, it really should be a place to get guidance on how you can shape your career and really get fulfillment that not only benefits you, but also your employer. So getting further about you, when you look in the mirror at yourself, what do you see from a professional perspective? Is that an image that you actually want to see? And to really narrow down this conversation about you, I'm going to focus a little bit about your resume, because that is the starting point for most relationships with employers. So when you look at your resume, what does it say about you? And, and I want you to think deeper, think deeper than just being a couple pieces of paper, right? Because sometimes when we do resumes, we just, okay, I need to fill it out because I got to do it online because the online application system is going to ask for it. But I really want you to think about it from a perspective of what is it telling you? What is it telling other people who read that? Is it telling a story that other folks want to read? And again, when we talk about our, when we talk about our journey, when we talk about you and having career fulfillment, it really does begin about that story that your resume gives. Because with your story, you want to make sure that it is a, a story that other folks want to read. And I'm going to kind of make this analogy with books. So if you look at your career as a novel, then you would look at the jobs you've had as chapters. So that's my first point. You want to have a long-term perspective because your career is going to be the culmination of all those individual jobs that you've had. So when you look at your resume, does it tell a story of a person that stays at a company for a number of years, earn promotions with roles of greater scope? Or does it show that you tend to stay at a job for about eight months and then departs? Does it show that your professional cares about the appearance of your resume? Or does it show a lack of concern with typos and grammatical errors and incoherent statements of cool statements that you found online and you copied and pasted it because you thought that looked really cool and you put it in your own resume? And again, the reason why I'm focusing on the resume or the CV is because that is an aspect about all of our careers that we can almost all relate to and visualize. And again, I, I keep stating this. Is the story on your CV something that you would have someone wanting to learn more? Do they want to learn more by seeing this? Are you worth the investment that the company is going to make in you by reading this resume? And so let's let's talk more about that. So I have told a number of leaders time and time again that the age in which folks stayed at jobs for 15, 20 years, that's over. Right. I, I think that's over. I, I don't think we're ever going to see that again. Um, and, and rightfully so, um, because, you know, back in the day when our grandparents worked and some of our great grandparents, you know, you stay at a job for 40, 50 years and they retire and they get a gold watch and they get all these great benefits, um, pensions. And sometimes, you know, that's that's worth that's what caused the long term working right working relationship. You know, they stay for 50 years because they got a great pension. And once they left that company, whenever that was. Um, that is how they lived for the rest of their lives. But those types of benefits typically don't exist anymore. And so, you know, that has kind of eroded that whole mentality of staying at a job for 20 or 30 years. So again, I tell leaders all the time, look, if you're expecting somebody to stay for 20 or 30 years, just you, you, you need to get a, a paradigm shift. You need to change that whole thinking because that is gone. Now, on the other side of that fence, however, I want to be clear, that doesn't mean you need to be changing jobs every year. I joked earlier about, leaving your job for 50 cents an hour. And what I really want you to start to do when you start trying to frame up your story is take a much longer term perspective. 
Remember that your career is a culmination of your jobs. So if you start leaving your job every five to six months because you get another quarter an hour, that sends a message to employers. Remember that when you get onto a new job, your company is investing in you. And, and again, I know we want to kind of dissuade that like, oh, well, they're going to get work out of me. So that doesn't really count. Well, no, it does count because your employer is the one that's paying you. You have to understand that when you get hired on as a new employee, they are investing in you. They're, they're investing time. They're investing resources. They're investing training time to get you up to speed. And on average, it takes anywhere between eight to 12 months for folks to really get trained up in whatever their role is going to be. So even if you're a customer service representative at a call center, they still need to train you on the system. They have to train you on the script. And while they're training, you're not fully up to speed. So they're not really getting a return on their investment. So if you stay after eight months and then leave, um, they're not they're not getting that ROI, that return on investment. And again, you may say, well, I really don't care about that. But here's here's why you should care. If that is how you operate a few times in a row, that tells me as an HR person when I'm looking at your CV that I got eight months with you, maybe 12 if things are going really great. Do I spend the time to train you? Do I spend the money and resources to train you when you're only going to be there for eight months? And again, I, I know when you look at your resume and I'm being very generalized when I talk about like the reasons why people might leave a job, I'm kind of overlooking that a little bit is because, yeah, there may be one or two blips. You know, your company shuts down. Uh, we just got through the pandemic. And so a lot of companies shut their doors and did you know, massive layoffs. And so there are situations where they're beyond your control and you might leave earlier than you wanted to. And it wasn't really your decision. And people get that in general. But if you look at the overall story, if I look at your resume and over the last six years, you've had 12 jobs. That lets me know I may get you at most six months. And that is not enough for me as an HR person to recommend to a manager to hire someone. Now, how does this translate to career fulfillment? Well, let's say you're young in your career and it's all about you know, I want to get, you know, nice title, um, you know, more prestigious position and, of course, better compensation. If you leave a job every six to eight months or a year. That is not enough for an average person to want to give you a managerial role. OK, Let, let's start to start with that. I would I could not see a scenario where a person has had a job on average eight to 12 months for the last decade. Um, and I would invest in them in getting a managerial role. It, it's simply not worth the time. It's simply not worth the effort. Um, and that's what it takes to really be considered for those well-paying, high-paying jobs. Um, a level of, of, of seniority, a level of tenure at each one of, your, each one of your roles. And then you compound that with individuals that sometimes switch entire industries. They may have worked in IT. And then decided, you know what? I am going to switch over to retail sales. Okay, great. All right. Well, maybe, you know, hey, and everybody's journey is different, right? You might not realize what you're good at till later on in your life. Okay, great. But then two years later, you said, okay, this isn't for me. I really, really need a more stable salary. So then you decide I'm going to go into, I don't know, education. So now you went from being in IT to retail sales to being a teacher, let's assume. And there's certifications like you just can't wake up one morning and decide to teach kids, right? There's some things you got to get done first. But let's say you go through all of those and you get that. 
What I want you to take away from this part of the discussion is that each time you change industries, you're hitting the reset button. You're, you're basically hitting the reset button in terms of tenure. When you go out and look at job descriptions, the ones that are like directors and vice presidents and managers, they're usually looking for someone with five to 10 years of applicable experience. And let me be clear what applicable means typically. Sorry, I can't talk anymore. Applicable, there we go, <laughs> applicable. Um, but let me tell you what applicable actually means. It means similar experience. Now, I've heard folks say all the time to me, well, Jasani, that's not fair because as a teacher, I had to teach kids and I had to, um, you know, multitask. And, and God knows you do. I mean, I listen, <laughs> I my, my wife was once, a, once an educator. I, I know the challenges that teachers go through. Um, yes, God knows you guys do all that and more. But you are asking an employee to take a chance on you on what's called transferable skills, not necessarily applicable skills. And transferable skills means that, hey, I did something similar and they could probably transfer over into this role, um, but they may not be directly applicable skills because let's just say it's a training manager job. Um, and so what, when you say transferable skills, what you're saying is what you're trying to convince the hiring manager is that me training children um, in a elementary or high school uh, uh, environment um, is applicable to me trying to train other sales professionals in selling techniques. Now, that doesn't seem far-fetched, but if I have to compare your resume to another person who's actually done some level of sales training, you're probably going to miss out. And you know, then you say, well, but I've been doing, but I have 20 years of professional experience. And because in your head, you're adding in that time that you were an IT professional and you're adding in that time that you were, uh, you were uh, a teacher and you're adding in that time you were retail sales. And you're adding all that in saying, oh, I have 20 years of professional experience. But again, managers are looking for applicable experience. So we're going back to the story. We're going, it's all about that story we were talking about. What does that story tell? And you don't want to spend a lot of time trying to convince someone that, you could do the job. You want to you convince someone that you have done a similar role and you're ready for that next level. And so that's why I always caution people is to be careful for those chapters. Be careful of those jobs that you take. Make sure that the next job you take is applicable to the end game you're trying to get to. And that does take a long-term perspective. It's not just about another 25 cents, 50 cents, a dollar an hour. It's about, do I devote the next two to three years of my career? And remember, we all have limited time on this earth. We all have limited working time. So we don't have this infinite amount of time to be dilly-dallying with BS jobs. So does this next job get me to where it is I want to be? Because when you do that, when you set up a story where you went, you started off as a sales representative and then you grew up to be an account manager and then you grew up to become a sales executive, then you become, you know, a regional sales lead. It becomes real easy now to get those six-figure jobs in a sales role because your entire career has, has, has led you there. And I'm not trying to say that we have to have our careers planned out. No one does. Um, I used to want to be an IT person. That's why I keep using IT examples. Um, my degree is in computer information systems. If you would have asked 22-year-old Jasani what his uh, career would have been, he I, I don't think I would have said HR. Um, and most HR folks would say that I, it wouldn't be HR. Um, but you do need to make sure that the next job makes sense. And when you do switch, commit. Don't switch just for the sake of switching. Don't switch because you have a buddy of yours that 
uh, that tells you that it's an awesome job, it's an awesome opportunity, um, and then you switch switch career goals. Um, don't do it just because you saw somebody on Facebook and like, oh, that looks like that's a great job, and so you just want to switch. You want to make sure that your next job tells a co co cohesive story from beginning to finish. And if you do decide that it is best for you in your career track to switch over to a new role, a new industry, then I would say commit. Make sure it's right for you. Because again, you only have so many working years in your life and you can only hit that reset button twice, maybe three times. Um, but we don't really have a lot of time to hit that reset button. Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be 50, 60 years old and then, you know, looking for your next brand new career, getting entry level money. And, and look, again, you, you're never out of time until um, you start you know, until your eulogy is read. You, we until you're until we're gone from this earth, you have time. Just know that it's not always optimal. Um, so I don't want to dissuade anyone who maybe later in their career is wanting to switch, switch, switch roles. Just understand that it will be much more challenging switching roles later in life. I'm going to kind of pause there because I want you to take time and think about it between now and our next episode, the next time we get together. But really focus on what it is your career wants, what, what you want from your career. What is the story that you've told thus far? Do those chapters line up to a story that employers want to hear that would entitle you to be qualified? for those larger jobs, those six-figure jobs, those jobs that most of us try to aspire to. And if not, what do we need to do to get you there? And we're going to have more conversations about how to get you there um, on some of our future episodes. So I'm going to stop right there. And I really hope that you guys have enjoyed this chat. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Um, hopefully, you have some tidbits of information just to get a different perspective about your job and your, how each individual job tells a story about you and your future progression. Um, but if you enjoyed this podcast, I'd appreciate it that if you would take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe, because um, that's how I'm going to continue to evolve the show and make sure that it's value-added content for all of you. But thanks again. I appreciate you, my friends, for hanging out with me, and I look forward to chatting with you next month. If you have any questions you'd like me to answer in the next episode, you can connect with me on Twitter at MyFriendInHR. I'm also on Instagram under my friend underscore HR, as well as LinkedIn. So until next month, folks, uh, I want you to be well, not only to others, but also to yourself. And I look forward to next time we talk again. Talk to you later, my friends. Bye.